So here's a scoop. We sat down to have a conversation with percussionist Lenny Castro uh, for the F2F Music Foundation, our Faith to Form podcast. And that conversation turned into two conversations because there was so much to talk about. So we split up the, uh, the conversation into part one and part two. There, there's so much stuff inside both of those. You got to listen to not one, but both. And you're going to learn a lot more about Lenny Castro and about why he does what he does. And that's why we call this And the Beat Goes On. Here's part one. Well, welcome back, Faith to Form, the podcast for the F2F Music Foundation. The mission to enable all youth to pursue continuous and rigorous training in music to their highest level of interest and ability while striving for the best academic achievements possible. That's done. F2F is designed to provide disadvantaged students in high school, middle, elementary, with the opportunity to excel in their academic endeavors by utilizing the benefits of music to enrich their lives and the lives of others in the community. Boy, what a great mission statement that was as well, huh? What do you think? Mm -hmm. I like that. Listen, uh, we have so much fun doing these podcasts, uh, and, uh, and we keep adding to the team, and I think this is a really good thing. Of course, you've got Vel Lewis, who is an award-winning Hammond organist. And, uh, well, you know all about Vel because you've probably uh, been here and done that before. We've got uh, Larry Braggs, who we call a tower of power, uh, as he continues to do an incredible thing in both education and music. Ooh. And we add a dude from California, now in California. His name is Lenny Castro. And, and, and if I need to tell you who Lenny Castro is, uh, go, uh, don't listen. Okay, that's fine. No, I want you to know who Lenny Castro is. One, you have the shortest slug line in the history of mission statements. The most recorded Ooh. percussionist in history. Zip. That's it. Okay. So, um, in the history that? of music, I haven't heard. So, uh, well, you'll you'll get, you want to get to know him, Lenny, because he's a real nice guy and has been been there and done that as well. But we're all here today to talk about the faith to form. Uh, music foundation and and Vel, you just keep building more and more and more and more folks uh, who are engaged and and a part of this. Obviously, these are not new acquaintances for you, as you've been involved with these guys mm. a lot over the years. But you seem to attract the cream of the crop, Vel. I'm just saying, okay. Well, uh, it, we say birds of a feather flock together. That's. <laughs> Yes. Well, we've got a big flock here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 say hope, some I hope it ain't no That's right. You know. <laughs> there you and speaking of the Eagles, no. But, uh, you know, Lenny, you you have played uh, with mm. – I'm telling you stuff, you already know this, but uh, obviously you've played with so many, yeah. so many, so many different people. Um, it, it all began, though, in the beginning, Lenny. It all began with Melissa Manchester. Man, I love Melissa Manchester. No, this is not this is not <laughs> yeah, your, your life. No, no this yeah, is not just an area. Okay. So you you, you headed out yes, to LA with, with Melissa Manchester. <laughs> uh, you know, I remember I was on the radio in the 70s and playing Melissa Manchester, and it was so good, so good, so good. So that must have been a great experience as well. And I've got someone, I've got to, uh, and I'll show you this on the screen. I've got two pages yeah. of questions for you. They're all true false, though, so we'll go quickly, okay? Uh, but 
But Val, uh, talk about talk about the relationship. Uh, obviously, we know the relationship with Larry and Lenny. But talk more about how how you how you guys uh, know each other and what you guys have been doing over the years. Well, guys, Lenny and I go back uh, a thousand years. I guess <laughs> where uh, now you look good. I, I, thank you. <laughs> but Lenny used to be my neighbor. We used to he used to live around the corner from me. Wow, and that neighbor was to hell. It was, man, because on the other side of the street, here's my other partner, Tom Borton. He was living around the corner on the other side. So it ended up where Lenny was doing some recordings with me, with Tom, and then I'm over with Lenny oh, house hanging out with the yeah, kids, you know, the family, days, whatever. You know, my house, they, we barbecue it, for any right. reason, and then everybody would show up. You know. yeah. yeah, right, right. I'll never forget that one day, though, when I was sitting there in the house with you, and uh, Paulie kept running from one end of the house to the other. Lenny, Lenny, you got to pick up the phone. You got to pick up the phone. He's like, what? He's like, Look, Mick Jagger's on the phone. He's like, yeah, all right. Yeah, he's not calling me. <laughs> no, pick up the phone. Pick up the phone now. He's on the phone. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was funny. That was very, very funny. That was extremely funny. But I think. Uh, I, what I remember was when she when she answered the phone, she said some some gay guy, some she didn't know who it was. And then right. right. oh, hey, she went right. 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 I mean, yeah, I, think, I think that was for the solo was uh, his solo stuff that I did before I did the Rolling Stones. Uh I did two of his solo albums and then okay. later on Don was started producing them. And Don uh, pulled me in on two albums. Don's been my angel. I tell you what, I I just did I just did wow. something recently that he produced. Uh, John Mayer. He just produced a John Mayer album that's going to be coming out, and uh, he got me on it. And uh, during the COVID thing, I mean, it was, I had to take a test every day for three days straight. Uh, but oh, yeah, and we just did a video about a week ago down at Union Station. For one of his songs, and Don Watts was there, but um, Don has been a, a, an incredible force for me, a, a great friend, and just really very cool, very cool person. You know, that's why I look at him. He says, "You, you're a CEO. You're the, you're the, you run Blue Note." You know, I remember when he first got the job. He said, "Yeah, man, you still look the same to me. <laughs> you, still don't wear, you don't wear shoes, and you don't have socks." <laughs> I sent him candy and cookies and and letters, love letters and flowers. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you should have sent him a pizza yeah, instead. Yeah. I don't know. You know, you know, Lenny, you you you've uh, you played with uh, Fleetwood Mac as well, and I've always thought. I've always thought that Mick Fleetwood was uh, an unusual drummer, you're, a different kind of a drummer. No, okay? no, no. You're, I'm not saying you're, that's you a totally bad get thing. what you're saying, bro. No. I mean, it's kind of like Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr is not <laughs> well, an incredible talking about drummer. Two He's guys a good that drummer. Were just He's a field guy. That just really, I mean, there, there's room for that in this music business. I mean, look at guys like Errol Garner, who never wrote, who that's never right. read yeah. a, a note of music. And guys like Mick, right. yeah. you know, um, he he does have a thing. He's got that thing, but you, the thing is that you got to capture it because it doesn't last, yeah. you know. And a lot of those uh, early uh, yeah. um, Fleetwood Mac albums, I mean, they the engineers worked overtime piecing together things, and 
it was uh, wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. They recorded everything, you know. Yeah. But I mean, Rick, you know, he's got his thing, man. Yeah, he does that true. when he gets into that flow. And every now and then, you know, on stage, he'd give me that deer in the headlights look. Like I forgot my, I forgot the opening. Oh, I forgot the drum part. Look at me, give me that look. Okay, and he go, oh, oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. thanks. It was fun working with him, you know. We both of, I mean, backstage we had our little backstage thing where we'd get dressed and we, uh, me and him would walk side by side together up and down any corridor or any hall, you know, nervous walk. And we walk side by side, talking to each other. Okay, we're going to have a great yeah. show, blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, just a picture of just this little Puerto Rican and this tall English guy, you know, walking together and trying to, you know, pump each other <laughs> up. It was fun. It, it was really uh, quite an experience. Quite. Yeah, and that's yeah. a good thing, I think, with music, too, because you develop yeah. those camaraderies that just last forever, you know, no matter where you, later on you run into yeah. each other. Yay, man, yeah. what's going on? I mean, it's Mick, like you know, not the greatest drummer separated. in the world, but he had his own shtick, as we say in the, in the, in the Catskills. Mm-hmm. He had a shtick, he had a thing, you know, and fortunately he got great producers and great engineers to be able to help carve that whole situation for all, for the whole band, you know? Yeah. I think I think he's absolutely incredible. Yes, and obviously. So is the band. Uh, he hangs out in Maui now, and he apparently uh, he comes he, to a restaurant. I, yeah, and I, I, he used to have a blues band out there. I don't know what right. happened to it. I don't know if he has it. Yeah. Wow. You know, when you when you're talking about um, uh, other guys that you hang around with, and you, obviously you yeah. hang around with a lot of people here, uh, including Bell. Uh, but, uh, you know, Jeff and Steve, uh, were, were, were your buds and, and, uh, and, and as you became a part of, of Toto for, for so many years and, and did that, but you had a guy on the West coast, uh, Joe, uh, who was, uh, you, I think you called him Joe your, your dad and your mentor. Uh, so yeah. And, and, and I guess describe describe oh the Sunday my god that was, i remember oh. when they lived in the original house Back which was per- in sherman oaks uh where the kids where 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 jeff and steve and and mike used to they had the garage what that was converted into a like a practice place you know i i started going there and hanging out with them it was an amazing household i was sitting there in the living room drinking some chianti with joe and then Emil richards comes in and then Bobby Zamitti and all these other guys and musicians would come in and the food would just be ridiculous. You know, that, that was just, and, and it was just, you know, I was so lucky to, to be put into a situation like that because they became my family, my, you know, family in yeah. the West coast since I was, my real family was already in New York, you know, but they took me under their wing, Jeff and especially Joe, Joe, adored me you know and till 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 the very end he was always like you, you, you should have signed they should have you should have been a, a member and he was always you know rooting for me and i was like it's okay I let the boys do what they do you know but joe was a a, a major yeah. major uh force in my being here doing movies with him and Emil. Yeah. those two knuckleheads man they were so funny Mm-hmm. They were the funniest guys to to, to work mm-hmm. with, you know. Uh, to watch their interaction was ridiculous. 
You know, Emil will come up with some crazy idea. Hey, you know, let's do this. Some kind of Thai, Thai thing, you know. Because Nemo was all, his mind, even at the, I mean, he was always constantly thinking about rhythms and he had so much information. Man, I wish you could have plugged it to him and plugged, you know, taken all that data out, put it in a hard drive, yeah. man, because it was a wealth of information and experiences from times when people, you know, where people, he would, he traveled to places you don't go to now these days, you know. It's amazing, guys. So right. those Sunday yeah. dinners, man, were very important, very important to me because it made me, it gave me a sense of family, you know. And I got yeah. to meet all the, the top yeah. guys, and then I That's started cool. doing movies. And every time I walked into, you know, a soundstage, you know, there'd be Bobby Zamiti and all these guys, you know, hey, Lenny's here. But I got to tell you a, a great story. A great bass player, uh, Chuck Delmonico, he was first Arco for a lot of movies. And whenever I'd work into a, walk into a soundstage, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, I'd walk in to get ready. And Chuck would go, hey, Cat, the groove just walked in. And be, oh, I said, Chuck, don't say that. Man, there's other cats here. You know, Balin was here. and But, you know, that was Chuckles. You know, he spoke his mind, you know. He was like, he was a notorious number one. Yeah. I mean, first chair, man, if you didn't play. He was tough on his guys, but you had to be because that's what, you know, movies. Right. That was a very tough situation. But like I said, those Sunday dinners helped me oh, get yeah. comfortable with all the guys, the local cats. Joe introduced me to all of them, Alan Estes and stuff. And then when I started doing movies, they knew who I was. They knew what I did. And they, you, you know, not only did, did they use me for ethnic percussion, you know, congas and other stuff, but they knew I was classically trained. And so if there was a grand casa or piatti or an extra part or an extra snare drum thing, they knew I could go do it. Go, take that part, you know. i tie in the loose ends. And uh, I was really proud of myself to be able to do that. You know, you know that's it's, one it's, of the things I talk to kids about, too. Every, you know, when yeah. I'm teaching them now, well, I do private you know, lessons with kids. Just, you know, to, to finish important. off, you know, it was because of my education that I could yeah. do that. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh -huh. Exactly. Yeah, because these kids they they want to learn, you know, what what's out there right now, what the new music is. I want to be able to play like you know, uh, 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 whatever new artist there is and that they like, and that that's cool. But I also explain to them you need to learn the basics though. You need to know how to read because I've had too many cases, yeah. embarrassing situations where I refer a friend and you know, okay, well he can come in and mm -hmm. you know do bass or guitar or whatever, and and say, well, okay, well you know we're doing this with uh, you know this guitarist uh, uh, mm -hmm. Paul Jackson. You know he's here recording. You know, uh, uh, so here's the chart. <laughs> oh. And I'm looking at uh, you know, it's in key of C. You know, it's pretty simple. Can you play that? You know, it's just it, it's a ballad. Just slowed. I don't know how to read. And then the producers over my shoulder, like oh, you don't just say you what I think it's old. Oh no! Uh, hey, let me, yeah, hey, let me uh, talk to you outside. <laughs> some producers could be a little bit unforgiving as far as that. Well, time is money, and money is time in them days. Yeah. You know, we got a, 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 right. a single That's session. Right. We got three hours and two tunes to do, or three tunes to do, and kind of a different thing, you know. Right. But right. you know, 
because of my education, and I mean, I learned so much. I learned to appreciate at a very early age all kinds of musics. You know, and the thing was, the beauty of uh, right, uh, right. I, I was self-taught up until a certain age. And then when I got to junior high school, that's when I started how to learn and read and write. And it was amazing, the mm -hmm. feeling of being able to see what I had been playing, the notes. So that's, that's a rhythm. Right. And those are notes. And, right. oh, man, it just opened up a whole different mm -hmm. dimension to what I had already taught myself from listening to radios, to vinyl. Uh, right. My parents had an incredible vinyl collection, which was uh, a major part of my education before I started learning. And, uh, and little by little, then I went yeah. to, you yeah. know, Borough White Orchestra and started playing the classics, the Beethovens, the Dvorak's, you know, you know, uh, the Schubert's wow. Unfinished Symphony. Oh, my God, man. I get goosebumps now still thinking about how exciting it was to be a part of 30 pieces, whatever piece of an orchestra, Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, be able to breathe life into these old, you know, old classics, you know. That was, a, yeah, that was an amazing time for me, too, touring with Dion, because uh, most of the time we had, you know, 50, 60-piece mm. orchestra. Mm. And I'm there with keyboards and this orchestra's all around me. And I'm just hearing these arrangements. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I mean, I I I, I had to work hard to uh, concentrate on what I needed to play. Yeah, I'm like listening it's to really the violin. It's like, oh yeah, so pretty. It sounds so pretty. <laughs> hard to focus. Well, that happened. Yeah, <laughs> I did a tour with Stevie Wonder, where we uh, employed orchestras from each main city in Europe, and to hear Stevie's stuff with an orchestra. Pastime paradise. Ding, ding, right. ding, ding. I was like, yo, I love you people. They got up and they started with their violins dancing mm -hmm. and doing this. And I'm like, hey man, that thing costs money. What are you doing? They lost all the corn. They lost, I mean, they just lost it. You know. But to hear, I mean, I know that That's I know right. what Vel's talking about. Okay, you know, to, to, to hear an orchestra, especially, you know, I mean, to be a part of an orchestra was an Amazing experience. Yeah, you know, all, all three of you guys are incredible performers. Uh, 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 you know, singers, percussionists, and, and keyboard and such like that. But Larry, I feel as if when I see you perform, uh, I see uh, I see a bit of a percussionist in all of you. Uh, you know what I mean? In other yeah. words, do you think do you think that a great performer has that deep down inside? You get the rhythm of the whole thing that you're doing, Larry. What, what do you think about that? Well, most most uh, like um, me, I I I really sing to the drums. I really do. Mm -hmm. I sing to if it's a bad drummer, it's gonna be a bad night. Mm -hmm. You know, just uh, you know, I just, mm -hmm. I've been fortunate to play with like two, you know, mm -hmm. two or three of the greatest drummers in the world. You know, you know. So um, when I'm when I'm singing, I you know I'm I'm a percussive kind of singer too. So if the drums are like where they're supposed to be and in the pocket or where they are, it, it's just such a thing. And I heard this interview with with Ella Fitzgerald and Ella sang she sang with the upright she sang with the bass she was the rhythm sang, she was she, she was part bass. of the rhythm section almost and it's all her own way yeah you're right and yeah mm -hmm. Ella sang with the bass and I was like oh that's mm -hmm. interesting so I started listening I'm like Ooh, that's hard to do and, and she like she like mastered that and I always sang with the drums so like you know when I hear people like you know Lenny playing percussions and the drummer, and when and when they're synced up, because you know sometimes then you know you can have 
that, and it, it's not mm-hmm. synced up at all. And you think you're playing different band because it's like you know, David Garibaldi used to say, it sounds like a washing machine going down <laughs> Lombard Street in San Francisco. You know? Well put, well put, Mr. Garibaldi. <laughs> you know, so uh, just it's just such a neat thing, man. I just always been that way. I, I guess I'm a I'm a bootleg drummer by by trade, you know, in my heart somewhere. I'm a bootleg drummer. And so I just love to hear drums when they're just in the pocket. I don't really care about all the solo stuff, but when cats are just playing in the pocket and you got a percussion player like Lenny just over there just accenting all of that and nobody's in anybody's way. That's when it works. Man, when it, it works, when it locks. When I call that that triad, the bass, drums, and percussion. That's 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 the triangle right there. That's the triangle. That that if that is not solid. You can't you can't build a home on it. You can't build without good foundation, you know. And you have to listen to each other. Right. Like one of the one of the great rhythm sections was when I was with Bette Midler. It was me, Sonny Emery, and Reggie Hamilton. Oh, oh, it was you know we mm-hmm. were like a a, mm-hmm. a, a high powered performance car. Man, we could turn at the drop of a dime wherever Bette wanted, whatever she. Pop, dude, any style, vaudeville, rock, pop, jazz. It was like everybody was just had to go with us. Yeah. 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 Right, right. And as a singer, if you got, if you got a drummer that's. Oh, like Sonny, Sonny Emery is one singer. of the finest. I mean, talk about. Emery, man, you, just, you can just sing because they're just going to be well, there with you. Person, you you just lay back and you just, you know, you have confidence <laughs> in your people and they yeah. got your back. Rhythmically, melodically, and everything right. like that, right. and they're listening to you because we're not the ones in front. You right. are. Right. You know? See, that's, that's another thing right. about learned, learning the learning process. I learned how to play. I learned how to be a sideman, which is another craft in itself. Yeah. You know, you, Larry, you know exactly what I'm talking <laughs> about, true. right? I'm talking the truth, brother. You know, being a side man yeah, is right. not an easy right. thing, man. You know, sometimes you got to bite the bullet on certain situations, but there was, mm-hmm. you had to learn how to be. And people being with people like Melissa, Melissa was a training ground for me because I was this knucklehead, 18 years old, out of mm-hmm. high school, 18, 19, <laughs> you know. And, you know, I was like all over the place. Now I'm making money and I'm traveling. Oh, Lord have mercy. They had a cat on a leash. Right. Where's right. Lenny? Where's Lenny? I, got all, I, got all, Where's I, need Lenny? Hit, I need to hit all this stuff. <laughs> no, but you know, I I learned at an early age to really not, you know, to 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 step out, you know, to really play my part. And I was never I've never been one of those mm-hmm. people to 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 want to step out into the limelight. The limelight was scary to me. Still is. Still is. You know, I I, I yeah. took much pride and, and and honor in being a sideman and being the ultimate sideman for anybody in any situation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People don't realize, like when I was in Tower of Power, the vocals was actually yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, the horns. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. horns. Rhythm section and the horn. Rhythm section. Yeah. The vocals came <laughs> down because they just needed words, so you have to, you have to figure right. out. How to get inside of all of this stuff that's going yeah. on because it will you know, blow you know away. You know what's so funny, Larry? It's, that was I, got a, I got a side on this one. For all my career, man, so many people thought I was with Power of Power. I I got that for <laughs> like early in my career. Oh yeah, you're with no, I'm not with Power. 
And I never, I knew the guys. I I knew the guys in the band because I met them a long time ago. When I was with Melissa, we did the Crater Festival in Hawaii. Um, and we did. I did the very last one, and that's where I met the guys. Rocco was there. There was the whole the original mm-hmm. band, and that's how I got to know them. And then later on, I, I would see them all the time, and and they we became friends. I never played with them. And they only had a one album. Had a percussion player for one. Yeah. Album. But it's yeah, a man. shame that you yeah. know I I yeah. always wish that they would have called me to 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 take up where he left off, but it never did happen. But much yeah. later on. I did do one album with the guys. But it's funny because yeah. my whole career, I think yeah. they got me confused with Lenny Pickett or Lenny Wilson or, or Lenny Williams. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Lenny Williams, right. We're playing to a singer. Still my favorite band, man. I, when I did record with wow. them, I was like, oh, I finally yeah. made it. it was, I loved it. It was such a joy. Right. Yeah. Who was producing them? Uh, that drummer, uh, Columbia? Was it? Is it Bobby Columbia who produced uh, it? Bobby Columbia? It might have been him that produced it. I'm I'm not sure. Bobby yes, Columbia, was that Blood, Sweat, and Tears, or was that Chicago? Yeah, yeah, he was drummer for that. Yeah, yeah, okay. What a great band that was. You know, all of you guys came out of the analog age, and 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 and, and that's a good thing. I Because I think in order to do something nowadays, you got to understand analog. But was music better? Were performers better? back in the analog days when you had to be good at the groove and good and doing what you're doing. Uh, and I know from a studio position, or is it, or is it, or are, are things better today? I know it's a loaded mm. question. What, what Who wants to be first? Go ahead. <laughs> I'll, I'll answer that one. You have to be better in an analog world for sure, yeah. because uh, nobody wants to stop and say, okay, we've got to, re- you got to take two. You got to take three. You got to take three. No, 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 no. Because it's not about you know, being able to edit and, and cut and paste. No, that's so that not happen back then. <laughs> so you had to be on your game to make sure that you do one take. And I, uh-huh. I live by that even now. That's why I was showing you the, the audio interface I have. You know, I could use MIDI for my keyboard, <laughs> but I just have been so groomed over the years that when the song starts and you're about to play your part, you're going to play the whole thing all the way through. We're not yeah, stopping. We're not punching. about the pressure. Straight through. I learned. Uh, yeah, I learned exactly. It makes you focus. At an early age, I was like, okay, yes. let's see. Let's see where we're going to be with this. Mm-hmm. You know? How creative can I be? Right, right. Now, right yeah. now. You know? Right. And I, I work with my students like in that same way because they may get through a song and uh, uh, and then they stop and then they play it again and they stop and they're, okay have you figured <laughs> out your mistake yet? Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Now let's go back to the beginning. We have to go back to the beginning. Yeah, we're going to play the whole song from the beginning to the end. No mistakes this time. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, the thing, the thing was, but that they do it. They do it. When you were recording with tape, I mean, there's only so much tape. And uh, yeah, yeah that's true. Gonna, you know, you can't. There's no like, hey, let's erase the tape. You're yeah. gonna do that a few times, yeah. so, right? You have to like just man, and you got the guy with the, you know, with the with the oh. uh, razor blade. He's trying to like, you know, <laughs> <split. Just laughs> you know. That's, that's the the whole gig, right there. Rocking, the guy with the razor blade. the reels, man. <laughs> 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 
And I, that's another reason why I'm glad we do this podcast because there's so many people that don't understand all the mechanics involved mm. in making music. Yeah. I've talked about this many times that you know people nowadays think, well, you guys, you know, you make music, and, you know, you do it for a living. Uh, well, yeah, it's let, let's just share your music. <laughs> ah, wait, hold it, stop, <laughs> time out. Because there's, first of all, a whole lot of time, a whole lot of sweat that goes into making the records, plus a whole lot of money that has to be spent. Because even though things are a little cheaper in some cases, recording engineers still charge the same amount of money they did back in the 70s that they do today. Same thing with mm-hmm. mastering, same amount of money, same thing with attorneys. Everybody charges the same <laughs> amount of money. Nobody's taking it. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> You start counting all the dollars, it's like, hey, uh, wait a minute, we got to rethink about this. We all know that yeah. there's a lot of records that we listen to that mistakes happened mm-hmm. and they kept them. Right. <laughs> oh, things were grooving too hard to go back yeah. and fix that. You know, right. so mistakes became like a staple in the song mm-hmm. or the horns out of tune, like, mm-hmm, we're not going back. It just felt yeah. too good to uh-huh. go back and tune up the drum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. That's right. Yeah. One of the one of the ones that sticks out there is the Mamas and Papas. I saw her again. They have a, oh yeah, a, a, I saw her. Dad singing the you know he I started. Saw her. I saw her. Yeah, there's there's a there's a I think on um oh my God the Reverend Reverend uh, uh, um Al Green yeah there, on, on Al a couple Green? of his albums there's a couple of yeah. little faux pas where guys are going. Okay, are we going to the bridge or are we going to the out? James Brown song where he tells them in the oh, track, yeah. start oh, yeah. because they, yeah. you know, the, 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 the classic, the classic, uh, the classic line from Miles Davis when he was listening to something that Dave Sanborn played, and Dave Sanborn was always always been overcritical about his own playing. Was, oh, God, why did I play that? Oh, that's not... And, he, and then Miles leads over and says, you should have played it twice. <laughs> and would, that was, that's how he did He would make a mistake. He would do it again. And it became a part. Right. And who was to argue with him? Hey, you know? yeah. Not me. That's right. It's only, it's only a mistake depending on the note you play after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true. I think I built a career on mistakes. Heard of it. No way. That's... Yeah. All right. You know, speaking of careers, man, I, I feel you know they say you do what you love. Exactly. You never work a day in your life. I think I'm looking, talking to three guys who uh, found the niche and just uh, went with the groove. And and extremely true. true with you, Lenny. Extremely as well? true. I never tell I. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm never saying oh, I'm going to work. No, I say I'm going to play. I never use the word going to work. Yeah. You know, and when you love yeah. what you do as much as I do, and it's a part of your soul. I mean, this is I've been playing since I was three years old. Let's put it that way. So this is why I'm put here. Yeah. That's it. So, so tell me something. When you were a kid, did you ever get in trouble Always. for drumming your fingers? Pork chop bones were my favorite drumsticks. <laughs> Pork chop bones. Chicken leg, <laughs> my sister's head, pots and pans. Oh, when I was small, I would bang them. I would take out the pots and pans and bang them so hard. Then I put them back. And then mama would bring them out to cook some beans or something like that. And the pot would be like this. 
Lenny! I'll be in my room playing with G.I. Joe's. Uh, G.I. Joe, he's coming to get us. You got to protect me. Protect me, G.I. Joe. And mama will come, come and look in the room and say, you know what you did, right? Well, that's okay. Then after, shortly after that, I got my first mm. bongos. And then after that, my first gongang. Well, my bongos, I, I, you know. But getting back to you, saying this is what I've been. This is what I've been put here to do. This is why I'm here to be a musician to you know make people happy. So and you know, it's it's that's it. That's it. And you have that would be an understatement. What is Lenny Castro doing a COVID kind of a world? It can't be music all the time. Maybe have you taken up <laughs> cooking or maybe knitting? Yeah, or well, you know, like I've been I, I've, I've well, delved well. into just learning Pro Tools and learning how to engineer myself and record myself. That's what I've been doing, and I've been now people are sending me files from all over the world. I I just finished a couple of things for some guys in in uh, England. Another guy in Italy, some famous singer named Alessandro. Uh, but on my spare time, you know, I go biking, I, I I walk. My knees ain't the best, but, you know, I'm keeping myself moving. I love to go fishing. My wife and I love to go hiking and camping. And you just finished the track for oh. me, too. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It my sounded pleasure. great. My pleasure. My pleasure. Great. Know. Excellent. So and I watch the I'm a boob tube baby, you know, Bab. I'm, I'm, you know, I grew up in the '50s. It was part of my education. It was like so. The the TV was a big, you know, that and uh, the film scores. And you know what? A funny thing, my mom told me, man, recently. She said my favorite thing was commercials. When I was a little kid, I would run, and unless it was uh, Batman or Soupy Sales, I wouldn't watch any shows. I would run in for the commercials, go up to the TV, watch the commercial. Commercial done, split. Mm -hmm. It was, it captured me. And and, I mean, I remember, you know, stuff, you know, I have a Velcro mind for useless things. And I I remember some of those old uh, uh, commercials (laughs) and stuff like that, you know. But, uh, you know, the the boob tube was a big big, uh, educator for me. That's one of the things I wanted to uh, point out as well for listeners on the podcast today, that for young students that are trying to decide whether they want to make a career out of music, there's making commercials. If you can get into that mode of just learning how a commercial is put together, what Mm-hmm. You know, the nuances are yeah. in doing commercials. Oh, so make a goodness. whole lot yeah. of money, yeah. and it's, you don't have to be you know the 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 most professional musician in the world. As long as you can you know work the computer, which a lot of kids do, know how to work some software, know how to make sounds, mm-hmm. make loops, beats, so forth, but make them you know enticing that they will draw attention mm-hmm. as a commercial does. Just- I mean, there's so many jingles. Commercial is a funny world. Commercial is it, it's a very up. bizarre kind of a world. I mean, you're dealing with one minute, you yeah. know, and you're trying to sell something, you know. I mean, <laughs> I remember I was doing some Burger exactly. King, and uh, it was supposed to be a Latin thing, but they wanted us to mix certain Latin styles, and the bass player, 
I forget who he was. I think it was John Pena. He just wasn't understanding. He was like, no, but they want me to play this, but it doesn't go. It, it doesn't mix. And, and I talked to John. I said, Johnny, we're selling burgers. Give them what they want. And he said, okay, fine. And so he put his all that aside. I said, okay, fine. Here, we're going to mix Brazilian with Mexican, whatever, if this is what you want. You know, you can't be so literal with, with commercials, man. You'll drive yourself crazy. You won't work. You know, if you're a purist, you say, right, right. oh, no, that doesn't mix with that. Who cares? We're selling tires. We're selling mm -hmm. burgers. We're selling pork. We're selling sugar. Right, right. You know? So it's a very, mm -hmm. it's a very bizarre well, that's, that's a slogan the advertising industry uses as well, by the way. Let's dumb this down to what we're doing here, okay? It's real simple. It's not hard. Yes, you know, you mentioned TV, Lenny. I, uh, as, a, as a kid, I would sit <laughs> with my practice pad in front of the television and oh. watch the Lawrence Welk show. And I learned Great how drum. to play drums watching the Lawrence oh. Welk show. I love Who was it? Who was it? Who I was love it? that drummer. And it was so... Ralph, was it Ralph oh, Humphrey? God, I can't think of the dude's name. He did. I think he did uh, Lawrence know. Welfare. I know I Ray Brown remember. did, and I think Ralph Humphreys played drums. I yeah. think for it, uh, uh, not not the whole time, but part of the time. I think I thought he was one of the drummers. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, that's where I learned, and and that was a that was a strong base for uh, for uh, hey there. That was a strong base for for me to to learn how to do that. I knew one thing. <laughs> Speaking of education, Val, you'd appreciate this. I learned. Because I couldn't afford a music teacher, I learned from a book, a flam paradiddle, and I had to go do a, a, a test the next day. And I'll be doggone if the dude didn't bring up because he well, oh, show me a flam bro. paradiddle, open and close open. I'm going, okay, I can do that. I know the flam paradiddle. That's the only thing I knew, okay? The rest of it is not there. That's hey, right. What, you know, you're engaged. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead Larry. I went in the house to watch the Tom Jones show. Oh. That was my show. Wait, what That's was that again? You, you, That's what I want. Yeah. Tom Jones. I want Sir Tom oh Jones. Oh, my grandma. My mother would yell out the window. I'd be out in the paint ball. Oh. Tom Jones. Oh. My grandma on my father's side. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Was, oh, he's so beautiful. Look at him. Eh? <laughs> it's funny, though, because I got to meet Tom later on in life, man. He's such a beautiful guy. He's, Yes, man, but my yeah, grandma man, had the hats for him. Oh my god. Oh yeah. He's a real guy wearing suits. He was a perform Tom's great performer, man. Great singer. You know, great singer. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I know you had some questions as well uh, for Lenny. So, uh, and we're kind of running on time here. So, I want to make sure we get those in. Yeah, we, we actually covered a couple of them, which uh, one was um, when did music actually become important? Important to you and become a major part of your life, and like you uh -huh. said, you've been playing since you were three years old. So it's it's been yeah. important all yeah. your I life, mean, pretty I, much. I realized it at a very so, early age when I was getting into. I I kind of toyed, <laughs> I toyed with the possibility of becoming an artist because I do draw and I did draw, I do a lot of drawing. I do a little bit of art still, and then at one point, I think when Kennedy got shot, I considered becoming a priest. Oh, you know, I was because in that of same vein myself, going on, yeah. but then after a while, Almost. you know, as you grow up and you start, you know, I was like music. What happened was, I remember one time uh, I lived in the Virgin Islands for a short time, 
And I went to a summer camp that was a Baptist summer camp, I remember, something like that. It was a religious summer camp. Anyway, I went there. And one day I'm walking through the campsite, you know, walking, going from one place to another, and I'm singing Wooly Bully. One of the counselors grabs me and says, hey, what are you doing? Says, I'm singing. I'm singing Wooly Bully. I, 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 I want to be a musician when I grow up. So, and, and I like that song. He says, no, you can only sing God's praise. So I said, well, you know what? I need a phone call. And mom and pop were there in like 15 minutes. And, and they then, Mrs. Castro, what are you, why are you taking this? No, it's all right. No, he, my son doesn't belong here. No, no, no. You have the wrong idea about the music and everything like that. So I told Ma, I said, Ma, these people, you know, they're telling me that music is only for God. And, and, and you know, the love of a mother and a father, the support of a mother and a, of a mother and father, they came and got me. They said, fine, if you're not happy here, you were you were really blessed with an amazing uh, yeah. uh, family as well. A lot of the stuff that you are yeah. is because of them. I know that uh, with the yeah. Joe is an important element in your life. I want to ask you a question. So, are your hands insured, Lenny? <laughs> they were at one time, a long, long time ago, I when it was say, possible. I did. Yeah. I, I did have them insured right. for a while, and then it just become too expensive, and then they stopped doing it. I think they it became uh, just too much for them to deal with, you know, the underwriters. Well, I I've, I've just been very careful with my hands, you know. I've never. My mother actually, she came at me one day and said, "You're going to get your hands insured." I said, "Well, how are you going to do that? I've already researched it. You're going to go to con you need to get in touch with the Lords of London, and they're going to insure your hands." And I said, well, how do you, wait, hold it. How do you do all of that? I'll take care of that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so that is a wrap for part one of our conversation with Lenny Castro. But there is more. We'll be waiting for that as we release uh, the second part of this podcast uh, shortly. And the beat goes on. F2F Music Foundation. Hope you're enjoying this. Share it with a friend. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can uh, journey with us as we continue to grow uh, the F2F Music Foundation. Thanks for listening, by the way. I'm Ray Shillings.